Hear that? You know what that is. It's me, Cindy. No, wait, that's not me, Cindy. I'm Cindy. That is the sound of pressure. Well, not literally. Actually, it's a timer or a loud clock, but you know what I mean, don't you? In the race against time, we are not often winners. It's not that there isn't enough time, like in existence. Time is endless, limitless. Or if that doesn't lessen the panic of trying to beat the clock, look at it this way. Time is essentially just a concept. At some point, back when cave women were hanging out, drawing on the walls, waiting for some guy to drag some dead thing back for dinner, you know, she wasn't watching the clock. The clock hadn't been invented yet. Imagine this. Ah, when are you going to be dragging some dead thing home for dinner? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Neanderthals, what a riot. But we're all sophisticated now, all about clocks and time and schedules all the time, right? I'm acutely aware of the clock and the limit it imposes. Having to get everyone out before the bell rings, getting home before the school bus, getting either of my daughters to wherever they had to get to at whatever time it started, I still feel a tingle of panic right around the end of the school day. Like, where am I supposed to be? Let's face it, having left the cave, we're all at the mercy of the minutes. Take, for instance, this week. I drew the short straw, which what I mean to say is I've been given the honor of hosting the family Thanksgiving dinner, which means I'm caught up in a new time dilemma. I have to figure out the schedule for the big meal. When do you start what so it all gets done to be served at the same time? I'm working on an elaborate grid. Is there any other way that includes everything on the menu? It'll also serve as a reminder not to forget the pickles and the olives. Putting in the crescent rolls. You know, I'm forgetting something. I always do. I I know there have been plenty of studies on time, the impact, the attempt to control it, or at least work with it. And you know I love studies. But in this case, I'm less interested in the phenomena of time itself and more interested in how to control it so I'm not looking at a calendar, shaking my head and asking like my friend Clara just did, how'd it get to be November already? I have found one way to slow it down. I came up with this all by myself, although later I did learn my theory holds true. If you want to stretch out time, you need to have markers that make moments of time different than all the others. It seems that time compresses the past, and the more similar those days, weeks, or months were, the more they can all become smooshed together, like in one big block of, oh yeah, last year. Think about a work week. Up, out, work, home, boom, it's Friday. But if you meet a friend for lunch on Tuesday, and you see a movie Thursday night, you've added some markers that have to fit in there too, and just like that, you've expanded the time and slowed it down from flying by somehow. But time is never going to be as immense as it was when we were kids. There's a fairly simple reason. Take waiting for any special holiday or event when you're five or six or seven. That year that you have to wait to go out trick-or-treating again or for your birthday to come around is a full one-fifth or one-sixth or one-seventh of your entire life. But now let's say we're, eh, for argument's sake, 20. That same year is only 5% of the time you've experienced. And as you get older, that year becomes relatively shorter and shorter. See? I had a brilliant idea a while ago. If the work week was pretty much one day melting into the next, what if I made the weekends stand out? So my goal was to add something fun, and it had to be different fun, something that would stand out and stick, like spending an afternoon making or viewing some new kind of art, or seeing a good movie, or a play, or a lecture, or going on a hike. I never went on hikes. 
meeting friends, making friends, all get off the couch, usually out of the house, something new kind of activities. And it worked. Time slowed, or at least my perception of time slowed somewhat. And when I'm out doing whatever different thing I could come up with, I do usually try to take a moment to capture it. And then, as part of my New Year's Day tradition, I scroll through the photos from the past year, which is a really wonderful way of marking and honoring and remembering and reflecting on that time. But when it comes to the photo thing, I do try not to overdo it. I don't want taking the photo to become more important than the person or thing that I'm taking the photo of. Wrap your head around this. Collectively, we took 1.2 trillion photos on our smartphones last year alone. I know, right? Back when photos used film and you had to buy it and you had to pay to develop it, we were way more selective about what pictures we took, mostly just the places, people, or events that we wanted to memorialize. Then we'd get the roll of film printed, toss the shots that were missed, and at least for me, the end result was probably one out of ten pictures worth saving, and in the most organized stages of my life, I then slapped them into a photo album. Now I stick them in a shoebox when I get around to it. But aside from saving a ton of money on the film and the developing, digital cameras also let us see the picture the second it's taken, and so we can retake it until we get it right. But you got to watch that. Too much picture-taking can take away from the moments we're trying to capture. Psych professor Linda Henkel did a study. You knew there was going to be a study somewhere along the line, didn't you? She wanted to see if snapping so many photos hurts our ability to recall the event later. It turns out it does. She had a group of students take pictures of art objects. Only one day later, most of the students remembered less of what they had photographed. Now, this isn't talking about looking at the picture. This is just overall recall. But the important part is that they did remember more of the art they had looked at and not photographed. It turns out when you take a photo, you don't focus as much on the scene object details because you're outsourcing remembering it to your camera. There's a name for it. Of course there is. It's called the photo-taking impairment effect, where the camera functions as storage so your brain doesn't have to. A good thing to remember during the holiday season as we gather around the table with friends, family, neighbors, whoever. For most of us, it's only once or a couple of times a year experience, and we really should try to make the most of it. I like to go around the Thanksgiving table, and each of us has to say what we're grateful for. No one yet has said, oh, cell phones. Not only does this give us the opportunity to think about and share things we appreciate, it also serves to stretch the meal out a little bit. You ever think about how Thanksgiving dinner takes days to prepare for, hours to cook, about 20 minutes to consume, leaving a couple of hours of cleanup? I think this is why we only do it once a year. So I try to look on the bright side. What am I grateful for? That I can have a gigantic meal that takes days to prepare? that I have people who love me and that I love, that I have two cats and a dog who are both amusing and affectionate. Beyond that, I have a roof over my head. I can hit a button and warm up my home. I can take a few steps and find food when I'm hungry or bored or just having a craving for something sweet. I'm grateful that sweet is a thing. I'm grateful there is kindness in the world. What about you? Whatever it is, I'm glad you have it. We all deserve to be happy. And, you know, sometimes you want to take a picture of how happy everybody is. Talk to you later.